Hello, I'm your host, Effie Pilarinu, and today I have a pleasure uh, to have uh, with us uh, a, a fantastic guest, Jennifer Wines, who uh, is a, a brilliant entrepreneur and author. She comes from uh, the traditional world of private uh, wealth management. Um, she's worked at Goldman Sachs, JP Morgan, and Fidelity, and uh, she's a certified private wealth advisor and the author of the newly published Wiley book, Invisible Wealth. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you so much for having me, Effie. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Me too. I mean, we, we both uh, met in person in, in Davos at the World Economic Forum earlier this year, and you were waiting for your baby to, to be delivered, right? <laughs> Indeed. Um, and and I can't imagine, you know, um, how how excited you are about this. And and I'm very excited to to talk about this new way of thinking um, of of uh, wealth. It, before we we deep dive into your uh, book, you really it seems to me that you are addressing heads on the one dimensional way of uh, thinking about wealth that we have. Why? Let's start with that why. Mm -hmm. It's a really good question. And I think uh, in, our, in our current world today, we're, we're redefining, we're revisiting so much in our lives, right? And that's, that's a consequence in my mind, most recently, of course, the pandemic, which really brought to head a lot of issues for a lot of people um, in different ways. And so um, the, the revisiting, reimagining, redefining of wealth for me is something that made a lot of sense for three reasons. So one, um, you know, I fell in love with the written word during law school. Words are utterly powerful, right? And so the the words are powerful because they they represent something. They have a definition. So what is that definition, and how do we use this language? Is incredibly interesting and important. So number two, of course, being in traditional wealth management, as you mentioned. Um, and over thousands of client conversations, I started to realize that the conversations were shifting. They were shifting with my clients. They were shifting within myself and shifting with, with friends, right, in terms of what we're valuing and why. And then the third, um, you know, kind of always having this innovative, forward-looking view, uh, it's kind of my entrepreneurial spirit, which I think we all have, is thinking through what is the future of wealth, right? And, and how are we reconceptualizing wealth for the new paradigm that we're stepping into? And so for these three reasons, I think the, the birthing of invisible wealth came to form, um, invisible being another word for intangible and um, you know intangible assets and all the things that we value despite our inability to touch them. So it's basically a blending of the three things. So writing, you know, exposure to wealth and wealth management, and of course, innovation. And Jennifer, when when we think about invisible wealth, and and um, uh, it would be great to understand it um, even uh, better. How does it connect with the gold based wealth management? And I ask this because you know, as you said, we we are used to thinking in in certain definitions of course in language always and and when we think of wealth management we think of goals basically gold-based investing in the best case if, mm -hmm. you know uh, so how does that connect with your um 
concept of invisible wealth. So you're exactly right. When you're doing it, when you're doing it right, you're thinking about wealth in the right way. You have wealth goals. And in order to understand what your wealth goals are, you of course need to understand what you value and what you want to um, attain more of, right? And so people have wealth goals and you know, I'm taking a step back and, and thinking through when I was in the advisor seat and advising clients, we would think through, okay, what do you want to accomplish and why? And oftentimes the financial objective is directly linked to an undercurrent of, I want more time with my kids, or I want to be able to retire by age, you know, why? And so these financial goals are directly pegged to these more abstract goals um, relating to the broader concept of wealth. And so with this in mind, the Invisible wealth concept, so broad stroke, and, and I'll get more directly to your question as it relates to, to wealth goals, but the invisible wealth concept is um, the idea that technological advancements and societal shifts are propelling us into a new paradigm, right? And this new paradigm is thereby inviting us to revisit what we value and why. And when we revisit value, we inherently revisit wealth because we're wealthy when we have an abundance of what we value. So again, we're wealthy, right? When we have an abundance of what we value. And this question is, is permeating the zeitgeist, both you know, on an individual level and of course on a societal level. And so that's why we have a ripe opportunity to kind of reconceptualize and redefine wealth. So the invisible wealth um, concept is such that we're placing a premium perhaps on intangible assets today more so than ever before. That's both practically and pragmatically as well as philosophically. So that's the concept broad stroke. The framework for invisible wealth, and this is getting closer to your question, the framework for invisible wealth um, includes five principles in my mind of, of what uh, wealth in this new paradigm embodies. And so these five principles for concept, um, so one is a wealth of money and investment, two, a wealth of health and quality of life, three, a wealth of knowledge, status, influence, four, a wealth of time, energy, money, and five, a wealth of relationship with self and others. So of these five principles, there's going to be a point in time where Effie might be focused on money, right? Or she might be focused on relationships right now. But either way, your financial goals are going to align to which of the five principles take primacy in your life right now. Yeah, or what allocations, what weights you, you, you put to, to each one of these fives and these weights might change over time. Precisely. And that's why, you know, in traditional wealth management and even, you know, the new iterations of wealth management that are coming online, literally and figuratively, there's always the invitation to explore what are your values? What are your goals? And, and it's really important to think about. And sometimes it's hard to take this abstraction and bring it into action. Um, and that's why, you know, the, the third kind of point in the book is a personal wealth algorithm that I developed. The personal wealth algorithm being three steps that people can use to identify their concept of wealth at a point in time in their life. So you might use this algorithm today, right? You might sit down and do these three steps and say, okay, you know, at this point in time in my life, I'm super focused on knowledge status influence, right? I want to accumulate more knowledge. 
I want to share this with the world on LinkedIn. You have so many platforms, right? That might be the primary focus in your life right now. And that's important to realize because that's where your, your resources are going to go, whether it's financial resources, your time, your energy, these types of things. Assets um, in a much broader sense than just the financial contracts that we're used to, right? Yeah, it, it, in a much broader sense. But what's interesting is that, okay, the accumulation of knowledge, status, influence also reveals itself financially, right? There's financial implications to attaining these assets such as knowledge, status, and influence. And so it's how do we wield these intangibles um, that we want to accumulate, these resources, and how they ultimately reveal themselves perhaps in, in an economic sense, which is also quite fascinating. Amazing. I mean, it, it, this this has uh, it it links very much to so many aspects of life, as you said. You know, if you're younger in your career planning and your personal life at every stage of of your life, and then in terms of personality, what maybe you you do want more influence or you do desire more social. Um, to build more social assets, if you want, it's it's really amazing. It, Jennifer, on the on the other hand, when I, <laughs> of course, I easily retreat to the traditional thinking, and I can never forget that when I started my career on Wall Street, and I'm sure that that you you know you've experienced that narrative. They used to say that wealthy is the person that can borrow the most. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, that was, you know, again, only with a narrow view of wealth in terms of money uh, and investments. And, and therefore, you know, that, that was the thinking. Uh, and, and I'm not sure that that um, translates too much within your, your framework. But today, when, when a traditional but yet open-minded person looks at wealth management. We have all these disruptive technologies, artificial intelligence, tokenization, you know, blockchain mm -hmm. that could tokenize also intangible assets. Do these advanced technologies mix with your multidimensional definition of, of wealth or are they sort of clashing or maybe one part of it. Yeah, you make a really good point. And that's that's right. You have a really dynamic background yourself, you know, Wall Street and all of this and everything that you do right now. I think you focus a lot on the, the next iteration of, of finance, right, and investing. And you're right. The, the ideas relating to tokenization, to AI, um, all fold into, the say, the first principle relating to wealth of money and investment and how we're reimagining that. And so how are we reimagining how we're making money? How are we reimagining how we're investing and also how we're spending money? And the, the intangible forces um, that are technology these days are really helping to uh, enhance, you know, the financial infrastructure in industry. And, you know, so for example, and you mentioned leverage before, it's funny because in my mind, I think about AI as leverage. Right. So people are using AI as leverage to do different things to make money. And so all of these things are going back to our previous point of you and knowledge status influence. You know, just for an example, 
all of that is leverage as well. So we're taking this concept of, you know, okay, leverage in the traditional sense and mapping it onto a different application. So to get back to tokenization, for example, you're right. I mean, this the blockchain technology is enabling us to tokenize assets and, um, you know, that's unlocking the ability to democratize wealth in ways that wasn't available in times past. And so with this democratization of wealth, of course, that means that more people have more access to more money or the ability to grow, grow their money and the value of their money um, than ever before. So I think that technology, AI, tokenization, these, these two um, technologies that you mentioned, definitely fold into the invisible wealth paradigm, into the intangible wealth paradigm, particularly within the first principle of wealth of money and investment. Yeah, I mean, Jennifer, I, I, I see this. Um, what I'm not clear, um, and, and I'd love your, your insight is, the broader dimensions that you have introduced in this framework that we either don't think about or um, in the best case, we think of them, but in a very siloed way, right? Very fragmented way. Um, mm -hmm. Does your framework facilitate, if you want, the connection between uh, you know, the, the traditional, narrow, one-dimensional, definition of wealth and the rest uh, of the other, the other four principles. So I, I think, you know, having a more expanded concept and definition of wealth enables a more expanded uh, multidimensional application of wealth, right? Because oftentimes we're, we're limited by virtue of a definition. Um, I'll caveat that with saying, I don't suggests that each word should have this kind of multidimensional definition, but the concept of wealth demands it, particularly in, in the paradigm that we're shifting into. And that was reflected back to me in through thousands of clients of conversations of people who have attained great financial wealth, right? And the conversation was more oriented towards these other attributes of wealth within their lives. And of course, how, how money folds into that. And I by no means negate the necessity or the power of, of financial wealth. Um, that, that's important. Security, right? at least. Security. At least. Security. Security, and then even eventually innovation, right? Because if you have enough money that you feel secure, right? You have enough money to... to uh, cover you for the next X amount of years, the more inclined you are to innovate, right? To take a risk because your downside protection is somewhat, you know, taken care of by virtue of your, your bank account, and how much money you have. So, you know, case in point, I left my job April of last year and I left a great company, a great team and great clients. That wasn't easy, but I knew that I wanted to step into the unknown and explore something else. And I was able to do that because I had saved and strategized to be able to take this risk. Similarly, a lot of entrepreneurs and innovators um, think the same way, right? They, they have their, their assets, they bootstrap, have their uh, They have, uh, yes, yeah, some, some uh, uh, bootstrapping cushion, if you want to take this uh, risk. Exactly. And if they don't, they have a, a good network and they fundraise, you know, or a little combination of both. But ultimately, 
money, you know, is, is your, your leverage in this case, it invites innovation. And so that invitation to innovate for individuals is ultimately really productive for society. Um, and, and I think that that's uh, an invisible force that can't be negated or overlooked because as we're progressing, we need innovators to think through the application of blockchain, to think through the application of AI, to take the risks, to be in a position to take the risks. And ultimately, society benefits from that, right? So um, there, there's a lot of aspects at play here. And again, it, it does fold into the multi-definitional kind of concept of wealth. Um, but I get, you know, traditionally people are thinking, no, 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 wealth is an abundance of money and, and uh, material possessions. Yes, and, right? So the new paradigm that we're stepping into, particularly as it relates to wealth, is a is an and paradigm versus an or paradigm. And so I think we need to really embody and embrace that mentality in order to live a more rich and holistic life. And it was very interesting that the point you made about um, thinking of um, AI tools, for example, as leverage, the same way that we think uh, of the financial leverage when when we have a certain amount of money and investments and, and we have a relationship with a broker or, or whatever, and, and we can take on uh, some leverage with some parameters. And, and there's an analogy there to think of the technology and, and being a digital participant in, in the digital economy, I, I guess, that we, we can act like that and leverage these technologies towards these other aspects of, of wealth uh, uh, that you, you have mentioned. It's, it mm -hmm. was really very, um, how can I say, revealing uh, to me the, the way you, you spoke about this. Mm. Yeah, and thank you. And I, I think that, again, AI is, is leverage if we use it as such. And I think technology, broadly speaking, has always invited us to delegate um, the mundane so that the human spirit, if you will, can play in a sandbox of more creativity, more potential, more innovation. So technology, as it, as it upgrades, right, invites us to upgrade our own software internally. And so I think that's really important to think through is, is how are we continuing to evolve. Um, meanwhile, technology isn't allowing that to happen to us to kind of reach a higher octave of our own knowledge, our own capacity, our own innovation. It, it, this is another interesting way to look at things. And, and now that you say that, I'm thinking that these advanced technologies are more interactive than the previous generation. And therefore, there's more expansive possibilities, good ones and bad ones always uh, for us, but, but on an individual basis, um, there, there, there's a lot of potential by leveraging these technologies. Uh, and, and as you said, I mean, anecdotally, I see it in my circle and, and in business communities that I'm involved, there's so much more um, community-driven discussions around issues that are not strictly business-related and deal-related, but are so much more broadly about the community, about us, uh, quality of life, the other principles 
um, that that you you spoke about, and they they are converging in a way that was never um, you know uh, broadly existing uh, around us before. You know, I really like that word that you just used, converging, because you're absolutely right. All of these, you know, if you think about it, just from the, the Invisible Wealth Framework, they're all converging and they all support each other. And your community, you know, and I know we share a lot of overlap in our communities, everyone is aggregating and organizing around values, right? So so what do we value um, in a qualitative sense to then create value, a quantitative sense, um, predicated on those values. And so we're self-organizing by virtue of values to create value in really productive ways. And that's happening, whether it be online, right? But before we hopped on here to press record, we were chatting about a lot of people that you know that you haven't met in person yet, but my God, how powerful is that, that you are able to connect with people based upon relevancy over proximity. Like that, that's, incredible and it's all you know I believe oriented towards you know work stuff perhaps or exploration or knowledge or expansion or innovation and these are people that you also enjoy because you all share the same values so it's the friendships too exactly yeah digital communities digital networks not in the very uh, flat sense of the first generation of of social media platforms that is already seasoned uh, at least right but in with these new technologies that really allow us to to be part of different clusters different digital communities with with common values really and mm -hmm. and being collaborative and using in an iterative way these uh, technologies uh, this this is invisible wealth that we've never had the opportunity to to have before we always spoke about physical um, social networks and physical business networks. We moved to uh, digital and more invisible business networks. But now I think we are in a second iteration that's much, much deeper and more meaningful, um, uh, clearly. Yeah, definitely deeper and more meaningful. And, and again, just to go back to the leverage point, for example, it's like you're the digital aspect of a community can fortify the in-person, you know, um, experiences. So for example, we were together in Switzerland at the beginning of, of the year, and that was so powerful, right? But now we're able to add another dimension to, to, you know, the relationship in the sense that we're able to map on the digital relationship as well. And so we have both. And so again, the new paradigm is an and paradigm versus an or paradigm. And that adds more dimension to our, our lives and the way that we think about value and values. Great. Jennifer, tell our audience where they can find you and what your activities uh, are. Um, uh, around this invisible wealth and, and the principles of the new paradigm? Sure. So I am mostly on LinkedIn, just like you. I think LinkedIn is, is one of the eighth wonders of the world. It's a wonderful platform. Um, so I'm available and accessible there, as well as my own website, which is jenniferwines.com. Um, and of course, the book published by Wiley is through many distribution channels, but you can find it readily and easily via Amazon. Thank you so much for being with us, uh, Jennifer. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.